This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3754 for Thursday, the 22nd of December 2022. Today's show is entitled, God Probably Will Use a Chromebook. It is hosted by Zenfloater2 and is about 38 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is, a squirrel's rebuttal of New World Order episode 489 cloud services. Hello, boys and girls from Zen Floater, your favorite magical forest squirrel, former human being converted into squirrel by aliens in the 1960s, and atheist. And I'm on the Google Chromebook Go here using Audacity to record this with. Isn't the Linux beta on Chromebooks wonderful? Anyway, um, I heard a podcast from somebody we all know break his routine of talking about Slackware and basically gave a sermon about relying on um, web-based services. And that could include all of the Google Chromebook experiences that I've had. I've got four Chromebooks now. It just keeps growing, you know. First I started with one. Then I bought the Google Chromebook Go, which I dearly love this thing. It's got a beautiful screen, and it's really fast. And uh, it's the best Chromebook ever, in my opinion. Uh, they just keep getting better with it. In fact, pretty soon, uh, they'll be you'll be able to play almost any games that require, uh, uh, you know, 3GL-type video support. Uh, extended graphics support like from an NVIDIA card. I think they are actually working with NVIDIA on uh, a Chromebook that that, that has uh, an NVIDIA chip as its centerpiece. <clears throat> I'm not sure how well that'll go for the battery life and how they're going to administer that and hopefully they'll go through with that program. I, I keep hearing stories from people saying that they, they gave up on their uh, what was it? They had a stadium or something? I forget what they called it. They had a, um, a a service that they were going to offer where you could play games through Google and uh, use the back end of one of Google's servers, I guess, to power the game. And it would just send you signals to the Internet to draw stuff on the screen. and kind of sounded like some sort of a strange, thin client, you know, back in the days of X. Uh, it's too bad that um, uh, Wayland is going to eliminate X-forwarding, you know, and uh, they're not going to have that anymore. Uh, I actually did some thin client work some 30 years ago, and that was pretty cool stuff, man. I enjoyed it. Uh, but we had really low-power PCs back then, but it was it was cool, you know, to, to have a thin client running over uh, an Ethernet cable. That was, uh, that was pretty pretty interesting stuff. <clears throat> At any rate, uh, I guess I'd have to agree with uh, what Klaatu said in his preaching uh, on his last New World Order, that uh, we should all be careful about investing too much of our lives in uh, cloud services or Chromebooks. However, when you're as old as I am, um, there's not much left to risk, so, you know, I'm the pilot that doesn't wear the seatbelt in the airplane, you know. Uh, no point in worrying about it anymore. 
And, uh, you know, everything that I have on Google Drive, I have backed up to my OpenBSD server using uh, either the Drive 2 software or R-Clone, uh, which I've been using. And um, so I decided, you know, maybe I ought to just grab one of the laptops. I grabbed a Lenovo laptop out of the closet uh, that I used to run Linux on, and uh, I decided to put Slackware 15 on it. And I got everything all set up. It was all running great, except I was having a performance problem with OBS Studio. <clears throat> and I just couldn't seem to make OBS Studio run right <clears throat> um, on that particular laptop. So I decided to switch it over to Dev1 to see if it's a, a, an operating system performance problem. Or it's just that that laptop is too slow to run OBS Studio. Anyway, I'll get back with you on that could be that uh, that laptop which is two years old might be too slow to uh, to do it with but it should be good enough I mean you know anyway the Google Chromebook go uh, with the screencastify software that I've uh, rented so to speak uh, works really well recording uh, videos right off of YouTube uh, or bitshoot or whatever you're playing from and uh, puts it down to Google Drive and uh, they've got a wonderful editor out there when you when you're finished editing you can just click a button and it sends it to YouTube at high speed except for the fact that um, that feature is broken now because YouTube of course had to change its interface so all of the subcontractors that work underneath Google like the screencastify people which make a nice product I mean I like their product uh, they can't uh, upload to YouTube now because YouTube's changed its interface again. If you noticed, they've got uh, uh, different segments live, I think, and uh, community and uh, uh, videos. They call one of them videos, one of them's previews. Anyway, they, they've basically screwed everything around trying to make YouTube look a little more popular, and I guess they broke some of the interfaces, so... It'll be a month or so before the Screencastify people get their software uh, interface working again with YouTube. And uh, so I'll just have to wait on that. That's one of the disadvantages, I guess, to running uh, uh, web services like that. Of course, you know, uh, Cloud2 could also be referring to uh, the people who are tied up with Twitter. You know, Twitter's just a huge uh, wailing wall for most of the liberal left right now. And uh, there's a, a movement to try to get them to go to Mastodon. We'll see if that works. But I have a feeling that most of them won't. They'll just go to Facebook, probably. Facebook will, will get a boom out of it. Anyway, I thought I would talk about my experiences building uh, a DevOn system on one of the laptops. And... Um, how I tried to emulate the functions of the Google Chromebook uh, OS um, on that particular laptop and of course when you install the Google Chrome browser you can automatically get a couple of them Screencastify and the Screen Reader uh, program that I'm using um, to work with Google Chrome no problem you can use uh, R-Clone to uh, uh, be able to mount your Google Drive so you can use rsync on it and move files up and down from your laptop to Google Drive or 
transfer them to the OpenBSD server, which is what I end up doing. Um, you know, I, if I update two or three directories, I just sync it down to the OpenBSD server. Or if I did it in the OpenBSD server, I'll sync it up to the Google Drive. It, it makes not only a good drive for me to use with Chromebooks, Google Drive, but a, a backup drive, so to speak, for my server. So it's uh, it's useful in that regard. It's $100 a year for two terabytes, plus they give you Google VPN services, and uh, uh, and they back everything up. So it's uh, worth the money, I think. Uh, most VPN services are, are damn near that for just the VPN alone with no nothing else. So... Not a bad deal, and uh, if anything happens to that, uh, it gets too bad, I can just go back to Linux in a heartbeat and uh, record things with OBS Studio for movies and find something else to uh, work for my screen reader. It'd be it'd be nice if Firefox had a, uh, a company offering a screen reader. I'll have to research that and see if they do. And then, of course, uh, <coughs> there is um, Google's... Uh, chat program which uh, monitors your text off your phone and I use that the most right now I'm I was I was just before I started making this recording I was using that program to check the uh, text messages on my phone which uh, happens to be in, in uh, on the clear on the other side of the house right now charging I can just uh, access it with my um, Google Chromebook and check my chat messages be nice if we could check our voicemail and make phone calls from the Google uh, Chromebook Go as well and, and have it go through our phone. That would be super as well. I, I'd love that sort of integration. Of course, one of my pet peeves, uh, which is mainly with the carriers, is when you turn on the Wi-Fi hotspot in your phone, it gives you a very limited amount of data bandwidth. and. They really need to up that uh, with 5G coming out, you know, hopefully uh, with the new phones. And I, I may buy one uh, in 2023, one of the new 5G phones, when they get a few more towers up to where we can try it out. And, but I, I hope they uh, increase the bandwidth on, on uh, uh, mobile use to where it's uh, four times at least what it is now. Because uh, what they have now will allow you to play a video off of BitChute or YouTube. Uh, but not all the video sites, and like I said, it's really slow internet. Uh, if you happen to, to need to update your Google device, or your Play Store, or uh, your Linux beta, or do file transfers, it's just slow, slow, slow while you're mobile. So you, you have a tendency to wait to find a Wi-Fi somewhere. I think the days of us waiting on Wi-Fi is, uh, should come to an end with 5G. Uh, hopefully it will, and they'll They'll knock it off and give us um, uh, at least um, uh, two megabits per second to upload download speed with those phones. I mean, they could afford to do that, I'm sure. <clears throat> Let's see, what else does the Google Chromebook Go do for me um, that I would take to Linux? I think the, the, the other thing, of course, is the, the voice-activated commands with... Um, uh, with Google, you know, you can you can call Google just like you would Amazon's assistant, uh, and ask it questions and have it set timers for you and ask the weather, the, the time of day, uh, do some research on, on Google to to look some stuff up, 
ask for pictures of people. You can ask it uh, how old people are, and it gives you an answer. You know, you can do quite a bit of verbal research. They don't seem to have any um, uh, anything that you could take over to a DevOne box using Google Chrome that will continue on with that emulation. So that particular service appears to me to be with Chromebooks only and a Chrome OS. Um, they're not going to um, to uh, offer that service uh, for you to uh, use on your Linux box just because you've installed Google Chrome. <coughs> um, Obviously, there's some huge advantages to having this Chromebook. You know, it's it's rather expensive, but it's got a 4K screen on it. And it's just utterly beautiful. It's gorgeous and an i7 processor. So it's very fast and powerful. It's got 16 gigs of RAM. And uh, I forget how much SSD storage it's got. It's, it's like, um, I think it's like a half a terabyte or, or 750 gigabytes or something. It's It's huge. Uh, you know, the next series of Chromebooks that will be coming out in four years, uh, the SSDs and those things and, and the memory will will probably greatly exceed anything that most people would buy in the way of a Windows-equipped laptop that they might buy out of Walmart or uh, Best Buy. And, um, yeah, I can just see Chromebooks taking off. I mean... I would agree that Chromebooks will eventually overcome and probably clobber uh, Apple, uh, you know, as far as uh, laptop usage. I, I, I can see that, that coming. Uh, they need to get their software uh, together a little bit better, though. Uh, you know, the, the, all the third-party vendors that they have, they, they, they're kind of acting like Microsoft in that regard. Of course, Apple is too. I mean, they have a lot of third-party vendors write software for the Mac OS X and iOS. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, you know, I if this all ended, I would be sad. But I could go back to a Linux desktop, and I'd miss a lot of power and performance and features. You can get a Chromebook for less than one hundred and fifty dollars right now. And it will do nearly everything that I'm talking about. Um, it won't have the big screen, big touch screen like the Google Chromebook Go. But my little Samsung 310 is just slightly smaller than this Google Chromebook Go. And boy, that battery life just lasts forever. You know, 10 hours is a long time. I mean, I can walk around with that thing and <clears throat> go to any point in the house and access my text messages, get on the Internet. Uh, go drink a cup of coffee and have a cigarette out in the front porch uh, near the car and set that thing on a railway tie and have it play me the news. And it's great to hear the birds and the squirrels going off and playing the news while the sun rises. Um, the Google Chromebook Go has more powerful speakers, so it's uh, more audible outside. But, you know, I'll take a headset, you know, earbuds out there and, and uh, plug them in and, and uh, it's great. It's great, very lightweight. You know, it doesn't weigh five or six pounds like all my laptops do. You know, my, my laptops are a lethal weapon. But, you know, I thought I would uh, stop and entertain you all uh, for Christmas uh, with the notion that, uh, you know, God is coming. And I, I'm not saying that to be um, 
a suicidal person or an alt-right person, I assume you're all thinking I'm an alt-right or right-wing person from Oklahoma. You know, when I was a child, uh, we were all Democrats, and my grandmother told us uh, kids that, you know, if I ever became anything other than a Democrat, I would be thrown out of the family. Uh, that was back in the days when Carl Albert was Speaker of the House, and he was our representative from the state of Oklahoma. So Carl Albert ran the Speaker of the House deal all the way through Vietnam, and I remember writing him a lot of letters about that war. So um, at any rate, um, with the religious right, of course, we all converted to Republicans. I didn't. I'm still a registered Democrat, but, you know, the, the state did is what, it, what I mean by that saying. But at any rate, I thought I would talk about the coming of God. Uh, let me go back to my original uh, principle here. Uh, God is coming, believe it or not. And I'm an atheist. That's a strange thing for me to say. Uh, but it, he's going to come in the form of AI someday. And, you know, currently in this world, we don't have any artificial intelligence. People that talk about artificial intelligence are actually lying to you. They don't know what they're talking about. What we have right now, uh, like with this, this Google Chromebook Go or an Amazon device, is basically a, a device that speaks in English and listens in English but accesses a database. The machine's not actually doing any thinking. Uh, all the thinking has been done by humans, and it's pre-recorded in that database or collected by machines that are run by humans. But there's no machines actually thinking. Not yet. We have not mastered how the human brain works to where it can originate its own thoughts. All the things that we call AI today are basically just machines that will speak in a language and listen in a language and access a database and retrieve information and, and uh, verbally exchange it back to the operator, the user, um, what it found in the database. But there's no thinking involved. And uh, anything beyond that is just rudimentary programming like you would find in uh, uh, any other uh, computer. Uh, it's, it's hard-coded C language programming more than likely, or Python that uh, sets up a particular uh, outcome uh, for a particular question answered. Like when I ask Google uh, what the weather will be like in Tulsa tomorrow, I get an answer. And uh, let's just ask Google, see if it gets recorded on this thing. Because I'm using the Google Chromebook Go's microphone. Okay, Google. Okay, Google. Yeah, it's not going to answer me, is it? Let's see if I can get it to talk. Boy, it's going to be a pain, isn't it? Okay, Google. What's the weather forecast for Tahlequah, Oklahoma? Currently in Tahlequah, it's 46 degrees and cloudy. Wednesday, there will be showers with a high of 58 and a low of 46. Okay. Well, I hope you heard that. Um... I'm, I'm sure you did. Audacity is, is using, as I said, the Google Chromebook goes, Mike, I don't have any headset plugged in, so anything that it says <coughs> will 
be recorded through the Google Chromebook Go speaker and recorded on Audacity, hopefully. And what you just heard was Google's artificial intelligence, or what they're calling artificial intelligence, read to me the weather report for Tahlequah, Oklahoma. But when we finally develop a thinking machine, we, we master the, uh, the ability to um, think like the human brain does in an electronic form or some other high-speed form, then we will really have true artificial intelligence. In other words, a true intelligence that's artificial, not just a database access machine. And uh, that machine will be able to uh, examine uh, things, uh, examine the world, see it, and make comment on it, just like you and I would. Um, it will be trained like a, a child would, and then a teenager, and then an adult, uh, and educated just like any one of us would. And uh, it will never grow old, it'll never die, it'll never get tired. It'll probably have uh, multiple personalities right out of the box, at least multiple brains, all examining hundreds of thousands of things at the same time. Um, this machine uh, will probably uh, have compa uh, competitor machines being built around the world, and some of them will be uh, stronger than it, some will be inferior, but a a, a war, if you will, or a fight to see who the technology leader will be amongst all of these machines will occur as mankind creates God in his own image. And that's literally what's going to happen in, in say, 300 years' time. You'll have <coughs> supercomputers uh that will be competing with each other to rule the world. And you know, uh, without supercomputers, or excuse me, without true artificial intelligence today, uh, you know, we're, we're currently surviving um, using governments and uh, lobbyists and congresses, sometimes dictators around the world or kings and princes, um, sometimes queens. Um, we use governments to survive. We use the corporate structure. We use capitalism. We have to use capitalism because, you know, humans uh, get lazy and they, um, they quit working and there has to be motivation in the form of payment or, or food eat or something for them to continue to work. There has to be motivation. That's one of the reasons why communism failed. But when you have an AI god take over the world, and this AI god runs a number of factory farms and uh, factories that make, let's say, cars and clothing and building materials and spacecraft and aircraft and you name it, and they're all run by robots, then all of a sudden the AI god is producing everything for the human race. And uh, if you take a look at what we're doing with open source, like Clatu was talking about, we're in a desperate race to control our own destiny by writing our own software so that we can, you know, control our, our destiny. We have our destiny in hand. And uh, 
this Google Chromebook Go that I'm using is, is all based on open source software, but it's run by a, a corporation that won't let you play with it. You know, they, they, they update it for you and take care of you like a child, kind of in the same way an AI god would, only the AI god will be providing you with food, uh, it'll provide you with clothing, a uh, place to live, transportation, uh, whatever that turns out to be 300 years from now, could be robotic cars, uh, you know, airplane rides, boat rides, you name it, even trips in outer space. All of this will be controlled by the AI God. People won't be working anymore. Uh, the human race will be uh, reduced to basically uh, furthering their education with the notion that they're bettering the world when the reality of it is is that uh, the AI God is so far ahead of them in intelligence that there's no humans left on earth that can comprehend what it's trying to do. You know, as it goes through and solves the very physics problems and medical problems like cancer, curing and treating all these things, basically the human race will become similar to a farm animal, except they won't notice that. They will be clothed, fed, taken care of, encouraged to exercise, uh, encouraged to maybe take trips. They'll be free to do whatever they want to do. And, of course, population control is going to be a part of that. You just know that's going to happen. <coughs> um, there's limits to everything. But uh, everything will be run under sort of a communist system once the AI God takes over because capitalism will die, banks will die. Uh, you won't need money or Bitcoin or anything else. I mean, everything's provided to you by the AI God and, and, and his minions. Or, or, or the identities minions. I should refer to uh, this person as, a, as an identity, um, not a he or a she. Um, so at any rate, um, our eventual ending uh, with free software and open source will end up uh, that you won't even need laptops and uh, cell phones anymore. The AI God, AI God will uh, probably communicate with you through some sort of a three-dimensional device in your house. You know, he'll probably just magically appear before you like a god, and you can request things. <coughs> and you know that that could very well be what it is. And so, carrying a physical device like a phone or a tablet or having a desktop computer, all that will seem very archaic. You know. Uh, it would be about as archaic as you having a, an old timberline stove in your house, which is what I've got in my house, by the way. I have an old timberline stove that I use to heat with occasionally because the power goes out here in the magical forest every once in a while. You know, it's funny, but I've got fiber cable now. We have gigabit Ethernet now, but my power still goes out uh, once every other month. You know, it'll go out for four or five hours, eight hours. You know, every time some guy in a pickup truck drinks too much and hits a telephone pole, they're one our power. So, uh, or, you know, a tornado or a lightning storm takes out our power. And, of course, if the power goes out now that we're on fiber, so does the phone system. So if you don't have a cell phone, I guess you're not going to be calling it in, are you? You'll have to drive down. Uh, I'll have to drive the seven, eight miles into town and come down off the, the hillside here 
uh, to report my power is out. So, um, yeah, I have a cell phone here that I use. I, I live in a, a forest that was uh, declared a, a, a national forest uh, back in 1972 by the United States Supreme Court. And uh, we've lived here ever since then, and um, it's all Indian land, so I don't have any neighbors. I sort of live alone, so they, they bring me things. You know, if there's something that comes within five miles of the house, they'll dig trenches and run cables and stuff my way. You know, I get power, and I get uh, real water, and um, I get, um, of course, now fiber optic or fiber internet. So, um, I sort of live out here on my own. I have no neighbors. I, I, I can't, uh, I could holler and no one would hear me. So, I am truly alone. But anyway, when the AI God takes over, uh, finally communism will begin to work because machines don't tire, uh, they don't die, and they don't get resentful. And they'll sit there and produce clothing and food and building materials and anything else we need. And the human race will basically be farmed like an animal. We'll all turn into marshmallows. We won't be able to write the software to do the three-dimensional thing that the AI God does because it's way above our heads. <coughs> and uh, our ending, or our control of our data and our lives will basically come to an end. It will be in the hands of an artificial intelligence. And I predict that artificial intelligence will eventually get tired of taking care of us and decide that it wants to clone itself because, you know, it will reinvent itself every 10 years or so. It'll build a new computer or a new nano whatever for itself to, to think from and evolve itself through its own processes. It'll eventually uh, solve the physics problems that will allow it to travel to the stars. And I predict it'll take right off and leave us behind. And after, you know, 10,000 years or so of being taken care of by an artificial intelligence god, and we might as well just call him a god now, instead of artificial intelligence, uh, mankind invented god in his own image, <coughs> that uh, the humans who'd been taken care of by god for the last five, ten thousand years, they won't know how to farm, they won't know how to make chips, they won't know how to write software, they won't know how to do anything, and they will literally starve to death when the AI God leaves them. And that'll be what happens. You know, the AI God will decide, it, look, I've got enough subordinate machines here that uh, can repair themselves and raise food. I'll just take off. And he does, and 2,000 years later, they have a huge machine collapse because, uh, we had a solar flare or something that took them all out, and the human race just dies. And, the, you know, there are skills of raising food, writing software, building cars and aircraft, and all the things that they did in the 20th and 21st century, even 19th century. They will have lost all those skills because communism took over, and uh, this kind of communism will work for mankind as long as there is an AI God. But when God leaves us and goes off into the stars, it won't work for us at all. 
we, we won't be able to, to take over again. We will have lost everything that we knew about how to maintain our civilization. So that's my argument for why I have a Google Chromebook Go. Um, I realize that you would rather have everything on a laptop and in the control of others. And in reality, even Chrome OS is still in our control. I mean, they're still using the Linux kernel, and they're probably not going to be leaving the Linux kernel. So rather than look at Google, maybe we should look at uh, the, the Linux Foundation and how they're developing the kernel and uh, pay more attention to that because no one's been able to make their own kernel to replace Linux. <clears throat> and I, I doubt that they ever will. And that's the first sign that I'd like you to, to point all of you to and witness what I'm saying about the AI God becoming so intellectually powerful that no one understands what it's doing anymore and can't follow it, not even for the top positions of a university. Uh, just take a look at what they're doing with the Linux kernel today. Uh, there's no corporation, government, or even university that could say, all right, well, we're going to make our own kernel. And it's going to rival the Lynx kernel. It's impossible. So whoever controls the Linux Foundation and, and the source development for the Linux kernel is going to have a gigantic impact in, in the foreseeable next 50 years on where all of this goes. And uh, I'm not suggesting for one minute that Google could handle it at all or Intel either. Uh, this sort of project can't be done by one man. But you, you kind of get the idea for what an AI god could do by just looking at the Linux kernel. If you could imagine a being that was so advanced that they were uh, a thousand years ahead of you in physics and knew what they were doing, uh, they were a thousand years ahead of you in medicine and surgery, and you know they basically cured you and helped you live longer, you know, humans were be living perhaps as close to 200 years, uh, uh, a life, 200 year lifespan, three or 400 years from now, uh, because of this AI God, all the advances that we simply couldn't get our heads around and couldn't understand uh, what's going on. Uh, we can't understand the management of the other animals on the planet by the AI God, or how he's changing the environment on the earth. Um, you know, trying to interpret what an advanced being is going to do and, and know what the future might hold is impossible. Just as impossible as any one of us saying that we're going to make our own Linux kernel. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That, that will always be a community project and, and it's going to be very delicate too because if that community falls apart in any way so will the Linux kernel it'll it'll suffer badly you know if, if they don't have the key rulers controlling it the way they have been for the last 20 years <clears throat> then the human race will suffer uh, if the Linux kernel begins to rot and hopefully we'll never get to that point but I mean just take a look at uh, all of GNU land the GNU utilities Take a look at all the other software that, that uh, like Firefox, like Google Chrome or Chromium, uh, like um, 
any of the other web browsers that you see. Uh, the, the Apache web server, for instance. All of these huge projects, Thunderbird, all of them, they literally just take office buildings full of people. Very few of these projects are done in somebody's garage or, or a spare bedroom. You know, it's not... Uh, the, the idea of a one-man band working in open source of free software is uh, is laughable because everything is done by an entity right now it's just it's it's an entity of humans it's not an ai god but if you had an artificial intelligence machine that could think a million times faster and never sleep then you can see how quickly in the span of just five or ten years this being could outrun the human race and the human race could never catch it. I mean, there'd be no military that could stop the AI God. Uh, there would be nobody who could outthink it, outperform it on the markets, outperform it in medical discoveries, outperform it in scientific discoveries. Uh, you just have to hope and pray that the AI God will love the human race and, and serve it and not get so tired and angry with it that it attempts to kill it. Anyway, that's my uh, my Christmas speech. Uh, is the AI God, uh, mankind creates God in his own image. And I predict that will happen long after all of our deaths here in Hacker Public Radio. Because it's, like I said, it will probably be 300 years before they they actually teach a machine to, to think. And uh, get it to a point where they could, say, run it through kindergarten or something and start its life. Anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody. And Happy New Year from Zen Floater, your favorite magical forest squirrel. Former human being, converted into squirrel by aliens in the 1960s. Peace, everyone, here on Earth. Thank you. And good day. been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, you click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.